Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santa, joined, as always, by the Fezzik to my Inigo Montoya. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Hello, ladies. Yeah, our very own Vizzini. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing? I'm trying to say anything except... Uh, no, no, I forgot his line. Inconceivable. About never going there against the Thelia when death is on the line. There you go. Never start a land war in Asia. You <laughs> fell for one of the classic totally wonders. Totally left well known as this. <laughs> uh, all right. Never uh, let Eric try and remember uh, the line to a movie to start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, Eric was, the best was Eric takes a fat pause. Doesn't doesn't come up with anything, even though this is our second time trying to do. That. <laughs> Yeah, I had it. Well, actually, uh, I said it. That's my favorite. We are both beta testing the new edition of Zencaster, and we are beta testing Eric's new software upgrade. <laughs> it's, out of, it's out of beta, but it sure doesn't feel like yeah, it. Yeah, no kidding. Um, all right, so let's let's uh let's get right into it boys let's uh let's let's do this we are um at russell wilson watch 2021 russ watch um today uh the tweet was from uh, i think josina anderson and she said word is uh, russell wilson is not being traded it's like say word you you ever thought he was being traded like in the land of hot takes you got to come in first with the realistic take verbal meme surprise pikachu face yeah, it's like it's like um, it's just a, a terrible, uh, terrible. I don't know. It's the whole thing is stupid. There, he's never getting traded. Um, Not it's only just, would it be forty million dollars against our cap for trading our best player, but also I mean, we'd be trading our best player. You you don't trade generational talents unless you're the Houston Texans. That's just like. <laughs> That's just not, that's not, not what happens. Brand. Yeah, it's not, it's not, that's, that's the Texans. That's not us. Um, so yeah, it's not happening. Uh, just, just go ahead and uh, pack, pack the bags on that one. Uh, here, if you want to have a source, sources say the source is me. Uh, they're not going to trade Russell Wilson. Like, obviously it's just so stupid. All right. That's actually, we're from now on at the beginning of every podcast or the end, depending on when I do it and Nathan gives me a gap to do it. I'm just going to do breaking news. We still have not traded Russell Wilson for the rest it's, of the off season. Every single podcast. It's, 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 uh, it's yeah. I don't even know what the, like people, I think that someone did an article and they said like, okay, yeah, the dolphins give us Tua and both firsts and their second and their third round pick. And it's like, yeah, okay. That's a lot of, draft capital you know it's basically three first round picks because i do think Tua, even after this season would still go in the middle or end of the first round of this year's draft and it's like yeah but that's still that's still garbage like i don't want it yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'd still have to basically spend most of that capital to get a russell wilson-esque asset back yeah. well you're not it's gonna like, find it's, russell it's wilson just stupid either. and I, i'm, I'm tired of, of it wilson. i'm already so sick of it Wait, but, but Justin Fields is in this uh, in this draft, and I don't know if you saw that scouting report I posted in the Discord, but it says right in there, player comp, big Russell Wilson. So apparently big Russell Wilson is in this draft. But not. Bigger isn't always better. <laughs> but it might be in this case. Yeah, they say everything's bigger in Texas, and we know Texas isn't better. It's, uh, they don't even have power. So, <laughs> Ouch. Well, uh, we'll let it right. go. So, so we're going to play a little game. Sorry, today's podcast. This is a Seahawks Would You Rather edition. I'm going to oh, no. present you with, uh, with two, just, just a granular A, B choice. Uh, some of these you might pick. There's a million different reasons why you might pick it. So you just got to pick, Eric, Kevin. You got to pick Would You Rather for each of these. All right. Would you rather trade Tyler Lockett for pick number 36 in the NFL draft or trade DK Metcalf for picks 28 and 60? Kevin. I'd rather trade DK for 28 and 60. All right. Why? 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 Why, why DK for 28 and 60? Come on, man. Because That's 28 a- and 60 is a higher return and I don't want to trade either one. But I think getting two stabs at um, picks in the first and second round gives you a better champ- chance to recruit that value. By the way, that is the first and second round picks for Baltimore. Or the uh, or a uh, second round pick from uh, sorry I wrote it down and then I lost the the document there the pick thirty six is the Dolphins so yeah I, I would I would do the DK trade but 
Okay. Only because okay. it's a would I rather. You heard it here first. Kevin says uh, DK Metcalf, he doesn't like him. He sucks. <laughs> that's and he that's exactly it. it. And I want him to put it on his uh, bulletin board. Yeah. Right All right. Now. Eric, what do you think? Uh, Tyler for pick 36 DK or DK Metcalf for picks 20 and 60? <laughs> uh, Tyler, I don't mean to send him to. <laughs> I don't mean to send Tyler Lockett to the Dolphins, but I'd rather hang on to DK. He's younger, he's bigger, he's faster. His hands not as good. I would uh, probably trade Tyler because of the cap considerations that come along with trading Tyler Lockett. We uh, open up quite a bit more cap room trading Tyler than DK, and I think that's where the uh, difference in value comes from. All right, running back for next year. Would you rather have Chris Carson for three? We're spending money on running backs because it's Pete Carroll. You're already stuck with that. <laughs> so would you rather have Chris Carson for 330 or Kenyon Drake for 320? Kevin, uh, what do you think? 20 is less than 30, so Kenyon Drake. That's really that's the only thing you're considering there? Uh, you just, yep. You, you don't think the talent gap between those two players is pretty big? I think it's big, but $10 million is also big. Over spread over three years though, so you know you're only only uh, you're only three and a three and a half a year three point three three. Yeah, that's one repeating big of we could put at uh, one tech. Repeating, so, yes, of I would rather have Kenyon Drake and a one tech than Carson. If that's right. the situation, give me Eric. What do you think? Pass. No, you got to pick one. Pete uh, Carroll is spending money on a running back this offseason. You Chris just have Carson. to get over it. Chris Carson. Isn't the point? I don't want you rather Drake. like no two way. bad choices. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'll do Chris Carson. Kenyon Drake. No, because I would rather have a bad choice that I like. No, Why do you no Kenyon Drake? No, thank you. Why do you hate Kenyon Drake so much? Kenyon what's wrong Drake? with What's wrong what with Kenyon Drake? What did what, he do to you? What is What are we gonna do to Kenyon Drake? We're gonna run him up the middle. We're just gonna hammer him up the middle over three games. Goodbye, Kenyon Drake. No way. We We have enough backs to do that. I mean, Kenyon Drake likes the same soccer team as me, so that's a that's a big <laughs> that's plus. that's a huge win. Uh, we're just going to be seeing a lot more Travis Homer if we do this, and no one wants that. Hey, man, Kenny Drake was Kenny Drake was fine this year. <laughs> no, I was talking about your soccer. Right. I was talking about your soccer team. Hey, they're 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 fine. Uh, Corey Lindsley, Corey Lindsley for three thirty three, or both Alex Mack and Matt Filer, one six for Alex Mack and two twelve for Matt Matt Filer. Kevin, uh, oof, that's hard. I'm yeah, gonna a... go with uh, I'm gonna go with Lindsley. I think that's a bit of an overpay, but the thing about Matt Filer is that he's an interior offensive lineman for Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He was and okay. apparently you don't have to understand how to play offensive line in order to be an interior offensive lineman for Pittsburgh, as seen by the last interior offensive lineman for Pittsburgh that we signed. At least this guy was a starter, <laughs> right? Yeah, but like, like those... on the worst line that they've run in a long time. Yeah, but he was like a the the, the, the highlight of this terrible. Oh, cool! Line. So he knows half of a playbook. Yes, exactly. I'm sorry. No, like apparently Alex... they're getting the Jared Goff treatment out there from their O line coach, who must be signaling things in at warp speed for them or something. I'm not. No, I'm not playing that game. And Alex Mack is like a is, is not is no child delivery. He's old. He's old. He's a crafty veteran. He's he just could, liver unchopped. Gotcha. He could be. He could be your Jermaine Effetti this year, Kevin. I have a feeling we're going to end up with Alex Mack. Like it's like a, it's like a hunch I have. Eric, what do you think? Uh, you know, I'll go Mack and Filer. Uh, Max, what is he? 34, 35? 36, 37, 38. He is thirty-five years old. He is thirty-five years old, which means yes, he is old. Filer is thirty-five years young. Yeah. Uh, 35 is the new 34. He's also playing center. I feel like you can get two years out of him at that age. Um, yeah, I'll go Mack and Filer. Why not? All right. So I don't want to ha- overpay here. That's why. All right. Would you rather trade? Would you rather have Gerald Everett for for three years, 15 million, or Zach Ertz restructuring into 315 and Andre Dillard for pick number 56? Do we think that Dillard could play left guard this season? I think he could. I think, I think he probably could. I do Ertz and Dillard. I think that, and I think that is like pretty close to what they'd want. They might want one other pick too, like a fifth or a sixth next year or something. I could imagine them totally asking for something like that. But I do think that's close because they really want to get rid of that Ertz contract this year. <laughs> and they want to make someone else deal with that. That contract Ertz them. Well, what the thing about the Ertz contract is like 
it's it's all in this year. And like he doesn't want to restructure because he hates the Eagles now. <laughs> so it's so like he might restructure for a team he gets traded to and be like, yeah, guys, I'm here now. I will say that makes me like him more. But but he's just mm-hmm. like right now he's kind of like F the Eagles. Uh, get trade me, get me out of here. So I, I mean, yeah, I don't blame him. All right, Eric, what would you rather have? I'll, I'll take Ertz and Dillard because if you fill holes on the roster, you don't need any draft picks. That's true, and I do think that Dillard is like if Dillard was in this draft, he'd get picked in the second round. So you're basically just getting Ertz for you're taking that Ertz contract on for them as a punishment, and then basically trading Dillard for the pick that he, around where he would go. So after the shoulder coming out the shoulder injury, obviously some of the shine is off Andre Dillard, but he still has some talent. So yeah, I'd admit to it. All right, Shaquille Griffin for three thirty or Chidobia Woozy for three twenty four. Uh, Shaquille Griffin. I don't like Chidobia Woozy as an outside corner. I think he's just all right. I think uh, Shaquille has a higher ceiling and a better fit in our scheme. See, I, that's a, I that's agree. A snap I agree. Keep for me. I agree with one of those points that Shaquille Griffin has a higher ceiling. A woozy though is is actually if you like split out his numbers by zone versus man, he's really good in zone. And then because the Cowboys suck, they don't use him enough in zone. So that's true. So, so I actually think a woozy is a nice. This is the reason I put him in here so I could talk about it because <laughs> I knew ever, you guys would both pick Griffin right away. But I think Awuzi is a good tar- uh, like mid-range target if Griffin gets expensive or we decide we just want to move on in the seven to nine million range that that um, I think represents really good value in that range for a team trying to play zone. Uh, Eric, would you you're going to pick Griffin too though? Am I right? Yeah. Um. Frankly, because Kevin, this is like the third time in my life with Kevin that I've heard Kevin. Uh, you don't bag on a woozy, but you don't like a woozy. And I don't watch enough Cowboys games to tell you how good he is. But when in doubt, go with what your friend says. And uh, yeah, Shaq Griffin is a good fit in this scheme, so uh, that's why I'm picking him. Now, if you were saying that we could free up the money to sign a woozy to be our CB two, I'm all over that. No, I mean, I think that 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 would be involved. We're going to get someone else to go with him, you know, just like we need someone else to go with Shaq at three thirty. I yeah. mean, I guess we play. If we can D- get Shaq and a Uzi, I'm there. No, that's that's not ever happening. We don't. Where is that cap room coming from? All right, uh, restructuring Bobby Wagner. Yeah, go. Good luck with that. Uh, uh, Antonio Antonio Brown for one four and a half, or Sammy Watkins for three twenty seven. Uh, I have silenced the boys I, with this one. What I take, Clown what, a, what a choice, Clown Tonyo. Kevin wants to get on the carousel. I love it. Eric, are you getting on the carousel with Clown Tonyo, or are you going to take Sammy, the safe choice but the expensive one? Yeah, that's the thing. I like. I know that you like Sammy Watkins quite a bit, and I'm not like I'm not high or low on Sammy Watkins. I'm medium on Sammy Watkins. I want on the carousel, boys. Let's go. Round around the Clantonio we go. The the the, the Clantonio nickname is just a, it's an all time it's an all timer. You know you really can't can't stress enough how stupid uh, it is. Uh, Watkins is a perfect fit for we what we want to do. He is uh, one of the best wider he's one of the best wide receiver blockers in the entire league. Uh, but Antonio Brown is a premier talent, and uh, I would take uh, I would take Watkins just because I don't want to deal with the the headache of. Uh, of having to log into Twitter and seeing people talk about Antonio Brown. <laughs> you like that? All right. So for this one now, this next segment, we're going to, we're going to transition a little bit. Um, prediction time. Okay. The off season is just beginning. We're getting into the off season. We'll go do our QB, QB carousel next week. That's some stuff going down. We're all going to make and react to one extremely positive prediction for next year and extremely negative prediction from next year. It's uh, it's not all sunshines and rainbows, you know. This is could be a little dark and stormy. So, uh, let's start. Let's start with the bad stuff. Let's get the juice out of the way. The negative. All right, Eric, start us off. What's your negative prediction for next year? Oh, everything I've been saying over the last three weeks. Okay, negative is that my dream of an off season that we take off and we somehow still go ten and six with a bunch of dudes, uh, turns out to be nine and seven. We roll the dice on a bunch of players and they don't work out and we have a bad cap situation. We've lost players we love and we're somehow still 
nine and seven, maybe 10 and six and out in the first round of the playoffs. That's my bad prediction for 2021. Oh, you went with the whole season. I was just thinking the off season. <laughs> maybe I need to make my prompt more specific though. Uh, Kevin. Oh, I thought I was in trouble because when you made the prompt, I was like, oh, okay. He's talking off season. And then you said it just before Eric did his. I was like, oh, I think he meant the whole season. So I would say it's a little nebulous. <laughs> I think I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, I, like I said, I think I need to make, you know, when it, I'm a teacher and I think that if I did this, I would, and I looked at the test results, I would be like, okay, I need to rewrite this question to make sure, to make, it, the rubric a little to make sure it's very clear. Yeah, exactly. All right. So my negative prediction, I'm just going to read it the way I wrote it. Cause I thought we were going to do positive first. And so it reads as dot, 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 because they were addressing the offense so much, the defense will suffer for it. We'll go in relying almost entirely on our young edge players. We will not make an upgraded outside corner and we'll largely be running back the same team minus a few key cogs like Jaron Reed. Damn it, Kevin. This is mine. The defense is a total mess because we can't replace any of the key guys we lose and are we're only strong in the middle of the defense. <laughs> it's like the same prediction. I hate you. <laughs> hey, that's why, why I got mind meld. Uh, all right, let me come up with another one. negative prediction then. Uh, extremely negative prediction for this offseason. Um, the rift between DK Metcalf and, and Pete Carroll is the real rift, not the Russell Wilson one. DK is not in a Seahawks uniform by the end of the offseason. There you go. Ouch. Because at it does seem... We'll get a third, at least we'll get two first-round picks from him from the... Miami Dolphins apparently but it does seem like DK is very very frustrated and you know what I mean like that he sounds more mad in the interviews than Russell does Russ is just giving those same robot answers he always gives you think this is like a um the old Kim Peel skit with the Obama anger translator and so it's like you know Russell say something and DK comes back over the top of it with what he really said Hmm, maybe <laughs> it's it's hard to say i don't know it's it's like this dk russ offense is mad at the d uh pete carroll and okay it, it really screams of like and the players the era players campaigning through the media to influence the front office to do things right And I don't know like what the way you're supposed to do it is. So, I mean, as far as I know, this is like how, this is how they flex their muscles, right? This is how they get what they want. DK and Russ are like best friends, right? That's like a total like big bro, little bro situation. Okay. They, they love each other. It's just the strongest bromance in history. And so, so for these guys, (laughs) for these guys, you know, it's, it's, um, it's tough. It's really tough to to now go from okay the we're the strongest romance history and they they're frustrated because they think that this offense could be elite they just need a couple guys right we're two pieces away where we're we need a, a new center and a new guard and we'll be amazing right and and that's true that's fair so now we now we go into the offseason really needing uh, to, to find a value there, you know, maybe we get Alex Mack, maybe we end up with postage back or we go get, um, I don't know, Austin Blythe. There's tons of centers in free agencies, but all of them are kind of medium. And then there's two really good ones, right? Uh, Lindsley and reader. And, and then, so, so you don't know, you don't know like what their plan is really, you know, do they just run Brit back? Do they drag his corpse off of free agency for $2 million? Like that's, that's a legitimate and, maybe even good option for this team if they want to overspend somewhere else right but when russ starts pressuring it turns into like hey we have to go get the good guy we can't just go back and get brit <laughs> how does how's russ even going to react to that if if they just go get brit you know that's gonna he's gonna be extremely frustrated maybe he loves brit more than we know hey man no one else wanted brit when he was a free agent so i think going and getting him would be a, a step backwards where Last year, that would have been the same thing, but I would have felt a little better about it. Um, DK also, like, we talked about it all season, how he, he's he got some diva in him, and now the diva is just, like, it's growing and growing. And I'm, I, I think I'm saddened because here it comes and it's not going to stop. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure. I just, I, that, that's my sad prediction, so I had to make it sad. Okay. 
Uh, positive prediction. Time to get positive. Eric, what's your positive prediction for the for the off season or maybe season? Depend. <laughs> I don't know what you actually. I don't know what you wrote down. Well, Mr. Santo, I uh, in the next decade, the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> by twenty twenty five put a man on the moon. I'm sorry, Tampa Bay. For my negative prediction, I almost went the Seahawks uh, over. Okay, Chris our, Carson. <laughs> Okay, uh, positive outlook for the offseason, Mr. Santo. Thank you for clarifying. Positive outlook for the offseason is that we come in with a revamped offensive line. We somehow have moved money around to accommodate new players. We have a couple star players, maybe a Zach Ertz that will make our dear friend Russell Wilson happy. Maybe a receiver who is kind of like Philip Dorsett in the sense that he will actually uh, be a name but play for us. And we will have draft capital to maybe get a nice name in the draft at a, uh, you know, at an an edge rusher still clinging to your uh, to your to your bad outlook, Kevin. But also very realistic, not getting any huge names in free agency. Maybe maybe hanging on to Carlos Dunlap. That's my positive outlook, and I think that that is somewhat possible. Okay. Kevin. All right. Running running back along same lines. So the Seahawks offensive plan or offseason plan will go forward by making Russ happy. We'll see key additions on the offensive line, including at least one high profile player, whether it's a Brandon Scherf or Lindsley, um, like one of the top offensive linemen will end up here. Uh, we'll see a quality third pass catcher added in the form of a wide receiver or a move tight end could be somebody in the draft like a Brevin Jordan could be somebody via free agency um, like maybe we see them bring in Everett plus a quality third receiver like a Marvin Jones something like that and it's going to be enabled by extending Dwayne Brown by extending Tyler Lockett and by um, restructuring Russ's deal okay um my extremely positive prediction is that Pete Carroll, in a moment of self-reflection, okay, he, he really, self-reflection, he realizes he does not know as much about what makes a successful NFL offense as he thinks he does, hands over the reins to Russ and Shane Waldron, and we run the most exciting offense of the Pete Carroll era, more, even more exciting than the first you know six weeks of last year. It's just a, it's the greatest show on turf. That's my, that's my rosy prediction for next year. Nice. Um, all right. Uh, Chris Carson, watch. You guys ready? Chris Carson, they are saying that it is very unlikely that he'll be back next year. He, <gasps> wants to secu- he wants to secure that bag. Um, okay. One, what I don't understand. I mean, I watch Chris Carson play a lot, right? We all do. And he is good at football, but he has intangibles issues that are make me wonder like how much money he could really get in in free agency. He has is tangible that, issues too, like fumbles. Fumbles and then also like injuries. You know, like there's nothing you can do about this guy does get injured pretty frequently and then he fumbles the ball. And it's like those things matter. And he's I, also a pretty limited pass catcher. Like he can do basic running back pass catching stuff, but nothing like advanced. I I completely agree. It's it's a it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me why people think that Chris Carson's a shoe in to get 10, 10 plus million dollars. If they think he's going to get ten plus, then do they think Chubb's going to get like fourteen? <clears throat> I don't know. Nick Chubb maybe he's going to get like a million dollars. Plus $20 million. I don't even know. Nick Chubb's so good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like Nick Chubb, because I feel like Chris Carson is basically 75, 80% of Nick Chubb. So if if Chris Carson yeah. is a is a no-go, we're out, we're out on Chris Carson. Chris Carson, it's over. We're not getting Chris Carson. I know earlier in this podcast, we talked a little bit about Kenyon Drake maybe being an option. I'm going to go over some of the other free agencies for you, free agents for you really quick. James Conner should be available for about the same amount of money as uh, Kenyon Drake. We got Mike Davis for two nine, James White for two ten, Le'Veon Bell for two ten, Jamal Williams for two six, Marlon Mack for one three, uh, Carlos Hyde for one two, Rex Burkhead for one two. Does any of that? Did, did your ears perk up for any of those? Did you? Did you? I mean, mine didn't. <laughs> did you? Uh, I got two that I would like. 
Okay, go for it. Um, Jamal Williams, I think, provides a safe floor. He's the kind of guy who comes in, you know what you're getting with him. He's going to get you right around like three and a half, four yards per carry. Um, he can handle a decent number of snaps. He won't embarrass himself in any aspect of the game. Like he's just a guy who could come in and be a really stable hand, which is uh, nice because like Penny a, could be more. Like a real Mike Davis type. Yeah. Okay. And then Marlon Mack is a guy who I think might be a little bit more than that, but he, let's see, by the time the rest of that offense was good, he was no longer their primary running back, and then he got hurt. So Marlon Mack has a chance at being a little bit better than that, um, while at the same time, at the very least, being a stable guy who will get you like three and a half, four yards per carry, who will be able to do all the Mike Davis stuff. So uh, I want to bring in Jamal Williams or Marlon Mack to be my Mike Davis, and then either we're leaning on Penny or we're drafting a dude. I have a few Marlon Mack comments. One, dog shit pass blocker. I started like researching these guys. Wow. Impressively bad. Remember how much I made fun of Philip Lindsay last year for being bad at pass blocking? Yep. He is operating on that level. I can see why they make an effort to get him off the field on third downs, like with uh, Naheem Hines yes. or whatever. That makes 100% sense to me. Like He is not a guy you can play on multiple downs. Um, he's a good runner, though. I do agree with that. Like if we're just if he's there to play like first downs or you know first and second downs, and we have other options like Penny, I'm okay with it. Yeah, Marlon Mack is fine. He needs to be cheap though, like dirt cheap. And if anyone comes to Marlon Mack and says four million dollars, they're they can they're have paying. Him. They can yeah, have no, him. I want yeah. him between two and three. <laughs> yeah, I would much rather have Jamal Jamal Williams than uh, than Marlon Mack because I do think Jamal Williams is a good pass blocker. He's a pretty good pass catcher, and he's a, a underrated runner. Like just a decent all around running back. You're right, Kevin, that he's never had the opportunity to carry the load. And so you don't know, like if forced into a situation where he gets 800, 900 snaps, would it be an abject disaster? I don't know. Maybe, right? Maybe it would just be a dumpster fire. But I not, another thing I like about Jamal Williams is have you done any Jamal Williams research? Uh, into what? Like, like his personal, his personal, his personality. Not but no, not really. Jamal Williams is like cool, dude. Jamal, he seemed like a really nice guy when I read about. Like uh, I read about him. I remember reading about him before the draft because there was another guy with a similar name that was coming out that year. Seemed like a really nice dude. Yeah, he's he's like uh, he's awesome. I really think Jamal Williams is a is a cool guy. Like we can really, I would love to have Jamal Williams on the Seahawks. So Jamal Williams is the cheap guy, like the best. Um, Eric, what, what about you? What did yours perk up for him? I also like Jamal Williams. I like Jamal Williams because he is not having the workload that a lot of these guys have. James Conner kind of perked up a little bit, but that's a guy who's been driven into the ground. And I'm not sure I trust every year. Like, you know, we kind of joke about it from from a Steelers adjacent point of view of like, you know, this when is this guy going to break down? So I feel like uh, it would almost James be Conner's a lateral the guy step. I unwant. James Conner is honestly I know you don't just like, like him at all. For me, he's just cheaper Chris Carson yes. with slightly slightly worse tackle breaking and maybe slightly better like like um all around skills. Although he, I think Carson's kind of underrated as a oh, pass see, catcher. I'm opposite. I, like how he, I, I he think he's just overpriced Jamal Williams. Mm, that's really harsh on James Conner. James Conner is, has uh I think serious uh, Jamal Williams is underrated though, so maybe I don't know. Either way, I mean, we're on the same boat. James, I like Jamal James Williams Conner, quite a bit. James Conner's not going get, to get paid this offseason. No one's paying James Conner. I do not seven. like Marlon Mack for this. Marlon Mack is uh, a fun player to watch. I don't want him on this team unless he's like, you know, a million five as our third down back. We we have enough of those guys. Oh, and A.A. Ron Jones is going to make way too much money. I just yes. want to put that out there. Like, I know you didn't mention him because of that, but I just want to say A.A. Ron Jones is going to make a stupid amount of money. Yeah, I'd say 440 is the minimum for him, and it's going to go up from there. Uh, and he's going to his first two years are going to be fully guaranteed. Bare, like he's going to get two years of guarantees for sure. Um, and he deserves it. He earned it. He earned it on the field. He's good. But the thing about Aaron Jones is the same thing as a uh, as a lot of these guys. None of these guys carries like a a huge snap load, like an absurd snap load, like any of like the true bell cow style backs, like a, like or a when Z they have affiliate. their body broke down, like Carson. Yeah. And so, so it's like, do you really like 
all these guys, every single guy on on this year's free agency list, I feel like needs a complimentary back. The only guy who I, who might not would be Le'Veon Bell, but he's past that point in his career. You know what I mean? It just seems like at 29, which isn't even that old, he just seems com- complete, completely washed. Or not completely washed, but just washed to the point where... He seems like he's a complimentary back at this time in his career. He is not a primary back. Yeah. And it's... and. I think he'd be really good in a Ram style system where they ask you to catch and, and find seams in his own blocking scheme and stuff. So I wouldn't mind Lev Bell actually is what the guy I was going to bring up. Lev Bell at two five at uh, two ten, you know, make it five million dollars a year. Uh, he doesn't drop passes. Um, he's not going to blow you away, right? You need a really good offensive line to get the most out of what Le'Veon Bell does. But it's I think he still would be really solid in the system we're going to try to run. And then yeah, you pair him up with like Rashad Penny or whatever and say okay here we go boys come always compete uh i'm in <laughs> what, what, what are some other what are some, some other more cliches uh pete isms he'll, he'll, uh, he'll be good at running the ball to win in the fourth quarter <laughs> take it uh will separate when he preparates oh geez um i want a divorce all right uh okay just want to know uh has kj Wright played his last game in a seahawks uniform yes. just yes or no yeah yeah eric yeah, yeah. 100%. I'm kind of just scatter. I'm kind. I'm just kind of scattershotting all the rest of the things I thought about talking about this week. I, I, it makes me sad. Like I'm gonna miss the KJ Wright era. What do you, are you guys gonna miss it a little bit, or what? What do you? How? Do, what retrospective a little bit? Looking back, I gave KJ Wright a hard time for a long time, and I really feel like last year was maybe his best year in the uniform, you know, or or maybe his second best. But he was a he was incredible last year. You know, uh, um, every time another team completes a screen pass on the Seahawks and that player doesn't proceed to get decapitated. I'll think of KJ right now. I'll miss him because uh, nobody hates screen passes. Like KJ Wright hates screen passes. KJ was a guy who we thought we overpaid turned out to be a bargain. He's a holdover from that Super Bowl team on the defensive side. I mean, Bobby Wagner's like the, the the true the true linchpin of that but kj Wright meant a lot to this team he meant a lot to the linebacker core um what a hell of a player i'll miss him for sure all right and then uh the last thing the seahawks announced uh, i think it was today or yesterday someone was doing a radio interview on an executive and he said that last year no one went into the ring of honor but next year someone is definitely going in so who is your you gotta give you a second to think about who's your number one choice to be in that twenty twenty one Ring of Honor class? For me, it's Cam Chancellor. And I know like it's you know, some people are gonna say, like, oh, you're you're picking a guy that's too recent. You know, we can wait for Cam Chancellor, but I can't. <laughs> I wanna see it as soon as possible. Cam's an absolute legend in the uniform and someone who I think was on his on the path for a Hall of Fame career that was cut short. And this is the the, the honor that he deserves. And uh, I want to see camp chancellor going to the ring of honor next year. So uh, that's my pick for ring of honor. Uh, Kevin, you ready? Uh, yeah, I could go next. Um, I have a few cam is one that I'd really like to see. Uh, I've got a couple other guys that were part of the first super bowl squad. Okay. Um, Cause I think modern era, another guy would be Doug, but uh, I think it is pretty early to put Doug in. So I'm thinking, you know, I was going, do I want Hutch? Because that's kind of a cool thing, but it wasn't here that long. Sean Alexander's really tempting. But for me, the guy who marked the turnaround of the franchise is Mike Holmgren. Oh. Hmm. I think putting Mike Holmgren up there, he did a lot for the team. He kind of legitimized him in a lot of ways. Um, laid the foundation for the fact that, like, you know, you can have a good team up in Seattle still. Like that wasn't just a blip in the eighties. You can have a, you could put together a quality squad. You could put together a Super Bowl squad in Seattle. Kind of laid the groundwork for what Pete then, you know, took the took the standard and brought it to an even what higher about, level. What about Hasselbeck? Um, I could see him being on there eventually. I mean, Dave Craig's on there, but <laughs> I think he's third or fourth in line from those squads for me. I'd put him after Alexander. I would put him after Holmgren. I'd put him uh, right about the same with Hutch. I'd put him actually ahead of Hutch, but equal with Marcus Trufant. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, Truth was great. Yeah, Trufant was kind of like the definitive 
def- like long-term defensive player of that era, right? Like he was on the team for a super long time. A lot of those guys shuffled in and out in that era. Yeah, he was, was on a for a of- solid decade. He 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 yeah. spanned the gap between Holmgren and uh, uh but he like he 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 almost played on both uh on two Super Bowl teams. Yeah. Cuz I think 2012 was Real his close, last season yeah. with us. Yeah, all right, Eric, who's your uh, ring of honor entrant? I really like everything you guys said. I mean, Cam seems Cam, I think Cam is a safe bet because he's injury retired. He's the first guy in from the Legion of Boom. He uh, he kind of put the boom in Legion of Boom to be honest with you. Um although I think you should go back into back to like the 2005 for Super Bowl team. Kevin, I love that you said Mike Holmgren cuz I didn't think about that. For me, I put Hasselbeck above Sean Alexander. Sorry, Brett. Um, I do like Trufant as a guy, but I don't know. Like you said, Dave Craig is in the ring of honor. Jim Zorn is in the ring of honor. It's like they had to put these guys in there. Hasselbeck just obliterated their records, and now his records are gone uh, via Russell Wilson. So if you're going to put anyone in from that team, it's going to be Trufant or Hasselbeck. Uh, but I really like Holmgren. If I had to roll the dice, uh, put my money somewhere, it would be on Holmgren or uh, Cam. I think I think Cam is sneaky. Like, wow, they just they just jumped over that era. What uh, what is there anybody that you think's like an outside the box choice that they could go with, like a like a long time uh, Seahawk that maybe um, Mike Sinclair. No. <laughs> what about what about what about max strong yeah i was gonna say max strong is cool. probably that guy he's here's the thing if you're gonna put one fullback in there in history it's gonna be him and that this guy did so much for us he had finally worked on a on a third and long draw where he got a first down in a playoff game that that was like a homegrown staple that never worked <laughs> it worked once uh, <laughs> yeah They've max trying strong to recapture is, uh, that magic sense yeah i mean i don't know it's <laughs> Max Strong is better than Steve Rabel on the football field and not as good in the announcing field, but it would almost feel like Steve Rabel, Max Strong. I don't know. It's just like different and, eras, same guy. And Kevin, right? I do think Michael Sinclair is like a nice outside the box pick too, because he's second all time in sacks for Seahawks. And like he was pretty solid, man. 92 to 2001. He had a great run, 73 and a half sacks. Uh, I could totally yeah, he had that three year span from like 95 to 97 or whatever it was where he was pretty lights out yeah, double so... digit sacks every year. All right. I like it. Okay. Michael Bowler. Um, I think that's everything that all the, <laughs> all the, all the short form <laughs> topics that I could squeeze into this Michael Bowler, man, if you only could have found an NFL position faster, yes. uh, just, just couldn't figure it. He was kind of ahead of his time to be honest with you that, like in 2020, if he comes to the NFL, they just make him a box safety and he's probably really good, you know, but that wasn't like as much of a thing back then for them to, to just, him, to just set a guy uh, like a, a, to set a, a fast guy in the box like that to try to like disrupt, uh, you know, that was, um yeah, whatever. He was, he was good, but he was like, yeah, like he ended up just like playing him summit linebacker, summit strong safety. Uh, I couldn't really figure out how to use him. And, uh, he was just never good. So he was, he was just bad. Yeah. yeah pretty much. So, so, oh, well. He was no Ken Hamlin. Oh, Ken, the hammer, baby. Love the hammer. Uh, yeah. Oh, too bad Not the good. hammer met the stop sign. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Kevin, you know that hurts every time you say it. Not as much as getting hit with a stop sign. Uh, so, so uh, there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, check out the new. The, the off-season holiday episodes have begun. President's Day special is up on the site. Uh, we hope you enjoy. Uh, to the, our loyal Patreons, Lucas, Greta, Ryan, Cooper, James, Brett, Carrie, Tom, Sam, Brandon, Nick, Thomas, Charles, Foles, E.B., Emmanuel, Jay, Warwolf, Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Flocktimus, Keith, and Michelle. And I'll just say this, okay? Uh, I would say that President's Day special was great, and I can't, I'll see you at the next holiday in March. You can probably figure out which one it is. Uh, what I was going to say is, I was just going to say, <laughs> we'll see you at a couple other holidays uh, this offseason, and they're not going to be the ones you think they are. <laughs> well, they might be. Some of them might be. Some of them won't. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, so a movie club today, it's obviously right after Valentine's Day, so we have to do a, a romantic comedy, and we really put our heads together. What's our favorite romantic comedy? And as a group, 
you know, it's not, I think individually it might be Kevin's favorite, but it's not, it's not mine. And it's, it's definitely not Eric's, but we all love this movie. So Princess Bride is what we wrote. And Kevin, since this is like one of your, I think like top 10 favorite movies of all time, could be in the top five or one. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, it, I know you love this movie. It's one of my all time favorites. And that's because it's um, a really quality genre blender. Uh, it's a it's a classic old school adventure movie, which I think is just a genre you don't get often enough anymore. I think the cast is really cool. Like what I like is that it nails both the storyteller cast because Peter Falk and Fred Savage is not a combination I would have ever thought about. But then it totally works with as a as a grandpa and the kid like that's a that's a great uh, interplay between the two. And then you have the cast in the story and you have Carrie Yules as the lead, uh, who's really good. Uh, Mandy uh, Patinkin, who's Anigo Montoya's um, just, you know, renowned. You have uh, Andre the Giant, who literally eats up scenery like that guy is dominates every scene that he's in, um, both because of his physical physical uh, size but also his charisma it's the only time you really get to see him acting he's really good wallace sean who's just uh enjoyable in many things gets a standout turn as Fazzini. like there's there's not really a bad casting in this movie um and so every side character just kind of works like the whole movie just works on every level and it has this big epic sweeping adventure feel and it's under a hundred minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. It's not super long. Um. Okay, I'm just gonna say this. Um. One, this movie like it's missing some things that conventionally like you think of when you think of like great um, adventure movies of this era, right? Like if you think back to uh, what's another movie that came out in, like the late '80s, early '90s, uh, Jurassic Park. Right. It was what's what well, year was Jurassic Park? 1992, 93. <laughs> that's that's not 93. Yeah. I don't know why I said 2001. <laughs> Jurassic Park, uh, 2001, Godzilla, Godzilla 2001. I got it confused because it's a dinosaur, right? Um, <laughs> I don't no. think that we should continue lingering on this point. Let's keep going. No, I, I wanted to make that joke too bad. Okay. So anyway, but like it doesn't have great effects or like it, and it, sometimes it looks kind of the ROUSs. It's got looks kind of ugly. Yeah, man. Like yeah. the ROUS is our great example of this. Like it's a movie literally tossing a puppet at someone else. Yeah. The movie looks like mm-hmm. kind of crappy sometimes. But this movie I is I would say campy. Yeah. This movie has such great acting performances and its dialogue is the best this movie has such awesome dialogue in the whole movie uh rob reiner's script in this movie is uh straight up 10 out of 10 and i don't understand how this wasn't uh nominated for an academy award like it's uh, there's so many lines that are so funny or like so on point when they're sword fighting and he's like you seem a decent fellow i hate to kill you (laughs) he's like you seem a decent fellow i hate to die yes or like when um when, uh, when could, I could give you my word as a Spaniard, no good. And, I've known too many Spaniards. When 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 uh, Billy Crystal, <laughs> yes, Billy Carol Kane arguing. Billy Crystal, everything Billy Crystal does in this movie is uh, amazing, incredible. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just like everything when uh, he said to blade, <laughs> <laughs> which we all know means to bluff. So you're playing card game, and one of you bluffed. <laughs> Oh um, man, he's not. He's not all dead. Mostly, <laughs> he's mostly dead. Because mostly dead is partially alive. <laughs> just it's just it's all just it's so stupid. And there's so many funny, th- yeah, so many things that happen in this movie that are just hilarious and and amazing. And- well, and it, it it foretold the future when uh when he when Andre the Giant asks, you know, uh, why do you wear a mask? Were you burned by acid or something? And he goes, no, I just think they're terribly comfortable. Everyone will be wearing them in the future. But he's right. No, I think the best Andre the Giant line was, anybody want a peanut? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, Yeah, it's... Or when he's the Dread Pirate Roberts after they put him on fire. (laughs) I am now here, but soon 
you will not be here. <laughs> and, and so it's it's like intimidating because this guy's literally a giant. But if you actually listen to the words he's saying, it's completely ridiculous, which is just joyful. Eric, uh, you are the you're kind of the princess bride doubter. But what, what's what are, your, what are your I just haven't seen it in a long time. Like Kevin can quote the movie. He's seen it so many times. I haven't seen this movie in like 15, 20 years. Uh, yeah. I like it a lot. You it's keep just, using that word, I but I don't think you know. Back you don't think it means it. what you think it means. That's uh, they're gaining on us. I that's wonder if they're saying inconceivable. The yeah. <laughs> I mean, inconceivable. This, uh, I think the two biggest. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Eric. I was just gonna say it's huh. it's a really funny movie, but it's not. It doesn't dwell on its humor. It just comes naturally. And I feel like Rob Reiner peaked at this movie only because I can't tell you if there's an actual better overall film than this movie that he he was involved in. But like you said, it's the way it's written, stand by me. the way it's directed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We don't want Hugh. That's, uh... <laughs> oh, man. North, North coming to. Coming to a Browns podcast near you. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's great. And like you said, the cast just works. I mean, Mandy Patinkin, he's never going to look that good again. There, There's a storybook quality to this movie that is like really challenging to, to capture. You know, like it's just it's extremely difficult to make uh to make a movie feel like uh like a like a like, like an a adventure tale. like an adventure novel like this book yeah. does or or a fairy tale and it it's like that quality of this movie is so impressive to me that that um that's what makes it so great. It's not that it's just there's something about it that and I mean they had to make this the reason the movie looks cheap is because it had to be cheap. Uh, they didn't have a ton of money after they paid all these good actors. <laughs> they, they spent, but they, spent, they made a good choice. They spent on that, and then they were like, "Okay, now we have to make the movie." Uh, and so, because it was Rob Reiner's passion project, this is like his favorite book. Um, he got it when he was a kid. He wanted to do a film adaptation. He found out it was in production hell, and he figured out a way to get the movie done. And I think that's like super great. And another thing that's funny is Mandy Patinkin and Wallace Shawn were both going for the Vizzini role. And the only reason they picked Wallace Shawn over Mandy Patinkin was that Wallace Shawn was shorter. And it would, they thought it they thought it would look funnier next to Andre the Giant. They were right. <laughs> Every time Wallace Shawn is bossing around Andre the Giant, it is an absolutely hilarious thing because it completely works. And so one thing too is, is that um, Andre the Giant, uh, they – they wanted Andre, right? And then they they couldn't get him because he's making a ton of money wrestling, like $5 million for one match in Tokyo and stuff like that. So they say, okay, we'll get Arnold. Arnold at this time is a relatively unknown. That would have been pretty cool. But then by the time the movie actually is getting made, Arnold is too expensive now. He kind of broke out. So so now they're like, well, what do we do? So they just they just get all these tall actors in there. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lou Ferrigno, Carol Strachan, and like all those guys, I can just imagine how bad they must have sucked <laughs> compared to Andre the Giant. I mean, like Kareem probably could have done fine, but like it just he doesn't have that lumbering oaf quality that you need for Fezzik, right? Yeah, he he's, doesn't have he, that he's like smooth, almost like he, childlike quality. Yeah, Kareem is like Kareem, I feel like would be great at playing a big guy, but he's not an oaf, you know. He's like he's so agile for how big he is. Like yeah. like in that in the Bruce Lee movies, you know, he's, he puts the footprint on his chest, like that's a that's an all-time great scene and it's it's he's good he's fine at acting but it's like it only works you know and he has comedic chops too we saw it in airplane right i mean kareem i think is the is the second choice for sure but i just think he he would have had to really act to to look like the the kind of lumbering quality that you want uh that andre does so perfectly in this movie i couldn't imagine arnold in this Um, i don't i couldn't imagine anybody except for like here's the thing though can you think of like a direct one for one swap for any of the primary roles in this? I, I think I, they just I would, I would be so mad. So iconic. You know they're gonna try and remake. I think this you someday. could. I like. I think Robin. That. I think Robin Wright is really great. Yeah, that's I think. The one. I think you could have swap, swapped her out. Um, Christopher Guest was really good in this one. Christopher Guest is really good in many things, oh, but yeah, I think count. this is a really cool he was use the of count, her. right? Yeah. Yes, Cal Rugan. Yeah, 
was uh, the it's the guy with six fingers, right? You have six fingers on your left hand. I know someone who's <laughs> looking for you. That's another we have a minute of action. Lies do not become us. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, and then um another thing too is is it uh, have you guys seen Once Upon a Time Once Upon a Deadpool? No, uh, no. the the PG thirteen Christmas Deadpool. No, I only saw the uh, the second. The it's pretty thing. funny because Fred Savage plays oh, no. plays the grandson again, but it's like adult Fred Savage. <laughs> <laughs> and I would I would say that you should uh, you should maybe check that out just for that. Okay, like, that's pretty funny. It, they have a those movies Deadpool. Sometimes they they make me like roll my eyes because it's like it's just cringy how far they're they're going but like yeah, because they're gonna spend five minutes on his like regenerating penis yeah right they they uh but they they're um their tongue-in-cheek stuff is pretty on point they really do great and did you know that there's a kibi uh movie called home movie princess bride that jason reitman uh made with an ensemble cast during quarantine no (laughs) see the thing is nobody knows about this because it's on kibi (laughs) (laughs) uh did you know that uh, there's a documentary that has a bunch of live footage that was shot on camcorder uh, back scene, uh, like backstage in making Princess Bride? Mm. No, I did not. Uh, that sounds cool. Yeah. So there, there's a documentary they put together with all of this actual footage for when they were like backstage getting ready for shots or when they were training. And it's talking about like um, uh, Carrie Yules and uh, Mandy Patinkin uh, working with this like sword combat expert so that they could get ready for all the sword fighting scenes and uh uh chris randon and christopher guest and so it's like part interview part footage it's a really neat thing um i saw a theater screening of the princess bride for like the 15th anniversary or something like that and they played that afterwards it was really mm. cool yeah and this this home movie thing uh it's the last carl reiner performance which is pretty, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Um, because yeah, he, the Carl Reiner is so great. I, I effing love Carl Reiner. Carl um, Reiner's delightful. I'm so glad they got him to come out for the oceans movies. Yeah. Those oceans. Oh my gosh. He's so good. Yeah, in those loving. oceans movies. He's as Saul Bloom. Um, those are so, those are so funny. Okay. Anyway, um, that's pretty much it. Do you guys have anything else? Nope. Nope. All right. For Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs>